The following coming out story contains descriptions of self-harm and abuse that may be unsettling to some listeners. Please be advised. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the second episode of Coming Out Stories. Uh, I'm Joey, the host, and I am joined by Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. No problem. I'm glad you're excited. And actually, um, you came to me... And this is actually kind of a funny story. You came to me and asked if I could interview you or you could be on the show. Um, where did you hear about this before it was even in production? Well, I'm a good Christian girl, so I found <laughs> it on Scruff. Like I'm a good Christian girl as well, and I put it there. <laughs> um, yeah, so Scruff is, for those of you who don't know, it is a um, like a gay dating app. Um, some people refer to it as a hookup app, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's um, it's an app that gay men use to meet other gay men for whatever uh, things they like to do. Um, there's for reasons why you're there. There's an option for networking, and I honestly don't think I have that clicked. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I posted on um, on Scruff that I was starting a podcast about this, and if right. anybody had a story that they'd like to share, that and Stephen was the one. Like you're the one person who from scruff was like hey actually it's not true i have a few but they weren't really like i want to share like can you interview me can we talk about this right so well thanks for that yeah well you know i i thought i just wanted to get on there and make friends that's what it's for right that's exactly what it's for friends in whatever form you find friendship um so coming out stories um pride month happy pride yes yes it's my favorite month it's one of my favorite months, too. And I've actually come to appreciate it a lot more lately than I did before. Um, but I think that it's it's great that we have a whole month to ourselves. Right. Um, so let's uh, start off with um, how do you identify? Um, I am... <laughs> if you were to put me on the Kinsey scale, I'm definitely a 600% uh, platinum gay. Platinum I'm gay. I'm not even sure I came out the badge. I'm okay. pretty sure it was a C-section, so I've never even touched or seen one. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, so pretty sure platinum. Is that, That's, is that think, higher than gold? Yeah, I think okay, it is. Okay, because I never yeah. really know. If you sell a lot of records, you're platinum. If you don't see or touch a vagina, you're platinum. It's like yes. selling a lot of records. Um, Take that, bitches. <laughs> so you are a platinum gay. That's um, right. What Hair is... Flip. Hair flip. I love that you actually, every time you say that, you, you do it and you just right. pull your hair back. Well, sometimes I do a beard flip since I have a beard, so I just do my beard and flip Which it. Which is glorious, by the way. Right. Thank I, you. I wish I could grow one like that, but mine makes me look homeless. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so what does what does your identification mean to you, like, like being gay, like a six on the Kinsey scale? What is that? How would you explain that? That is a really tough question, only because I don't know how to explain the whole Kinsey scale thing, to be honest. So the Kinsey scale, um, there was a doctor who described um, sexuality based on a scale of one to six, right. where one is being completely and utterly straight and six right. is being completely and utterly gay. Right. Um, right in the middle, he's, you know, he said that people fall, you know, one, two, three, four, five, or six. So there are five is kind of like gay, but you have kind of some tendencies. Maybe you've slept with a woman or something like that. Two is the opposite direction. And then gotcha. a three it's probably is like pretty bi. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, and actually I think it's a, is it a five scale? Cause it goes one, two, 
three in the I middle. I thought it was six. Four and five. Anyway, I, either it's a way, scale some straight dude probably created that. <laughs> <laughs> helps. Well, us. If, if it's five, then that's how gay I am. I'm actually a six. A six. Okay, so, that works. Yeah, we're good. Um, I'd probably say I appreciate how nowadays we can see sexuality as fluid, mm-hmm. um, and I, I've met a lot of people that. I didn't know a lot of bi people before, mm-hmm. and I always just assumed it was, you know, they just want to have a little bit of everything. Right. Um, but I found that lately that that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I appreciate, I appreciate that because then it helps me feel comfortable with what I am. Because it's taken, I'm 32 now. It's taken me, well as we'll talk about later, well, just these last three years to come to acceptance of it. Okay. And that's a perfect segue. So you're 32 now. Correct. You came, uh, when did, let's, let's start with when did you come out? Um, the first time, cause I've been in and out of the closet many times, mm-hmm. uh, was 22. I had just, I was in college at the time and I was battling with my sexuality pretty, pretty bad. I had started drinking a lot, um, to deal with, because I grew up in the church, okay. and I grew up with pretty strict um, belief systems um, and a pretty strict church and pretty strict family about uh, God and the Bible and what you believe. Um, and so a lot of that had been ingrained, ingrained into me. And so I had started drinking a lot just to deal with the shame and the guilt and the fear of, you know, this isn't who you should be. It's not It's not okay. You're wrong. Um, you're an abomination. You're going to go to hell. So those were the things that you heard right off the bat, or those are the things you were being taught before you even came before out? Before I even came out. Okay. Cause I mean, you grow up in the church, you hear those things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a constant thought. And I still remember one time my mom, when I, I was younger and I think, uh, someone had, it was, it's probably a gay character on like ER or something. And she probably won't remember this. And sorry, mom, if you listen to this, um, she's, she's said, she's real supportive now. So, but, uh, she had said, if you ever come out as gay, I'll kill you. She probably didn't mean it that strong, Mm -hmm. but it was probably just one of those, like, she probably knew I was gay at the time yeah, and was like, I don't really want to deal with this (laughs) reality of it. Sometimes I think it's a snap judgment right thing to say i think that was maybe like a scare tactic right my mom when i came out to her said you know there was a there was a lot more that came with it because i told her about experiences that i had had but she said maybe you should see therapy right she didn't mean it in that way right to like but maybe you, you kind know, of hear it that but way that's when, how you kind of initially it hits right. you like this is one of my biggest fears coming true right so you so 10 years right you've been out 10 years now if you say because you said you're 32 and you came out when you were 20 i well (laughs) i came out at 22 Uh but that's also like prior to that i had been through counseling because people knew but i never came out Mm -hmm. and i say that because you know i had been caught with watching gay porn okay um when i was younger but no one really everyone thought it was a phase um and so I'm trying to remember where think of where to take this back because it started all when I was so young mm-hmm. with all of that. Um, so you knew pretty early. I knew really early. Um, 
I, you know, when little kids are together and you do that, I'll show you yours, you show me mine thing. Mm-hmm. But it was me, a boy and a girl. And I distinctly remember this. And we were messing around just as little kids do. They're curious. And I just remember being more drawn to the boy than the girl. And I've always remembered that. Um, I'm not sure why. Probably because it was like defining moments. Oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of defining. And it, that's one of those things, especially being young, I think, that is like, it's especially for you if you were raised and taught something, it's weird. Right. It's super different. And you're like, it stands out. You right. Know? Right. So that whole that whole experience was probably one of the first like clues and, and stuff. Right. Right. Like there were so many, cause I, like I said, I grew up in the church. I was in youth group. Um, I was, it, it's actually interesting because there's a lot of gays that had their first experience. Some sort of sexual experience in a church. In a church. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just the reality of it. Cause, well, that's, I'm sure yeah, that's where you spend most of your time. Right. I spent most of my time there. And that's really when I started realizing, accepting. Like, before you're young, you don't understand what's going on. Um, so there was one guy in the church. We started fooling around a lot, often. And so I kind of knew, you know, this didn't feel right, but it also felt right. Um, because you had so many people. Because you had to hide it. Right. I mean, A, you're a kid. You shouldn't do that stuff as a kid anyway. True. So that's probably the reason why I was hiding it. But it was it it felt so good to be so bad is kind of what you're saying. Yes. 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 In the best possible way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Um so that was kind of like one of your first experiences. Right. And it wasn't like it was like it was always in the form of truth or dare. Because okay. none of us that's, wanted to admit. That's how it starts. That's yeah. I remember those right. even for women with me, like for girls, it was kind of you push the limits a little bit to see what you can do and what you can get away with. Right. What you can experience. Right. Exactly. So that, that makes total sense. I mean, it's so funny that it, the gays live just like the buys apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How dare you? (laughs) uh, So what, so you mentioned that your mom or you didn't say who, but you, you kind of got caught with gay porn or or looking at gay porn. Right. Was that one of the (laughs) first, it's actually a really embarrassing story because um, I had been – it was the first – it's like when internet started coming out. God, I feel old when I say that. Hey, see, the because, internet came out too. We're good. We, right. We're <laughs> so I I found AOL chats, you know, where you could talk to people. Um, and so I was in AOL chat, and that was back in the days where these pop-ups would always happen. So I had looked at some – googled some things i don't think google was a thing back then but i had looked up some things and i thought i was fine and safe until i come home one day and my family's sitting on the couch and i was like well this is weird and they they were like so your little cousin sat down to use a computer and um all of these naked pictures of men popped up and i was like oh i don't know how they got there (laughs) um but I think that was one of those things where people were just, they ignored it. Again, the whole phase thing. Um, but that was really the beginning of me, like, with my struggle and my battle in my head and feeling shame and guilt and the fear of it. Because I was scared. Yeah. You know, because this isn't something that you're taught is okay. 
You're actually taught the exact opposite. Right. Like, like I've been taught that that's not okay, that you're going to go to hell, that you're going to have to, I, I don't even, I can't even explain it. It's just this horrible feeling that you know that this is something a part of you. So you, you feel like there's something wrong with you. You can't deny. Right. Yeah. And then you feel Right. And that broken. was always the hardest thing for me to try and explain to people later on was I can only tell you that this feels like it's me. Like you can sit there and keep telling me that it's just, you just got to pray or you just got to say no and just not do it. Okay. Well try not to be straight and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. You know, um, so that was probably back when it first started and I had to come to terms. I did not, not come to terms. That didn't happen until three years ago. <laughs> so pray the gay away was right. essentially a tactic that they wanted you to use. Right. Um, when it started getting, do you remember when it started getting more, <clears throat> not like that thing they can just brush under the the rug type thing. And, and could you talk a little bit about those things? experiences and, and, and yeah. how they happen. So I had always dealt with depression, anxiety as a kid. And even now, I mean, obviously it doesn't just disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had actually quit school in the seventh grade um, under the guise of doing homeschool, uh, but I never actually did it. So I was out of school to what was supposed to be my sophomore year. Um, that was one thing that the church did help with is they helped me get back in school. So I ended up going to a um, community school, which is basically a school for misfits and people who can't get get along well in regular high school. Um, and so I went back there, spent a year not doing, not really doing anything. I slept through most of the classes and smoking pot most of the time. Um, you guys are good high schooler does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so during this point, things at home weren't that great. My mom did the best she could at the time. Um, and the youth leaders, they knew cause I had threatened suicide a lot because I was just didn't know what I was dealing with. And there was so much going on inside. Um, and I never told anyone about the homosexual struggle, right? Quotes struggle that I was dealing with. And so I ended up moving in with youth leaders and their kids and I was with them for about a year my junior year Um, and that's when things I had already started cutting before because that's how I learned how to deal with the pain on the inside Um, it was always just a release for me I hit it for a little bit um, but that's not something you can hide very long (laughs) because you can always see the cuts um, so I'm, I ended up moving in with them and I still was a mess cause I was a kid who didn't, I didn't know my dad. I, I, I've also, I've always been one of those people that kind of hid my feelings anyway. So I always said, eh, it's not a big deal. Um, the things at home weren't always that great and grandma had cancer. So I was dealing with a lot of different things. So I moved in with them and, you know, they tried to help me the best they could. They became like a mom and dad to me. Um, And I lived with them for about a year before I had my first actual sexual encounter. Um, I had met them on AOL chat. And I I say them (laughs) because I never go 
I never just do things simple. <laughs> um, it was a hookup. extra over her. Right. Extra. <laughs> of course I had to lie about my age. Um, don't do that children. It's a bad idea. <laughs> um, and I had a hookup with these two guys. Well, let's, let's clear this up. You, you were, how old were you? When I was 17. 17. I said I was 18. Okay. Just to, just so we throw that out there. Right. 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 Know. Um, they never, they, they never asked, which I mean, I, I've always looked younger anyway. So I'm surprised, surprised they didn't anyway, <laughs> not important. Um, and I distinctly remember this night because this was a night to set the stage for the next 10 years of my life being what it was. So I went and I had this hookup and, you know, it was, it was fun, but it was also scary at the same time. And I remember driving home thinking, oh, I didn't like it. And you got a little excited. I, I got excited that I didn't like it at first. Um, and I got home and I was excited to tell them. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I, I just no. made a face. <laughs> yeah. No, I, mean, I know where this is now, you know, hearing right. that I'm sure. And so I'm excited to tell them. And so I, I tell them, and it did not go how I was hoping. I don't know what I thought it would be, um, but a few weeks later, I was kicked out. Um, and the only place I had to go was I ended up going to a children's home up in Peculiar, Missouri. Um, that was really tough. A lot of people in my life have... Um, when they can't, when it's too much or when they don't want to have to deal with me, they always push me off on someone else or um, something else was always more important. And so that's kind of set a precedence in my life too. Um, and so it was just one of those things where I was 17. No one knew what to do with me. I didn't know what to do. Um, I had these feelings inside that... I'm attracted to men. Everybody, I've had people say, "I'll just buy you a hooker, and that'll fix you. Once you once you sleep with a woman, you'll be better." I roll so hard, right? Like, I there were so many times, so many nights that I would just lay in bed and say, "Why? Why can't I just like women? Why can't I just be normal?" Um, and so I was. I spent a year at the children's home, and actually graduated high school from there. Um. I had actually lost the relationship at that time with the youth leader and his wife. who be They were like family to me. I cared a lot about them. I had never had a dad. And it was the first time I really had let myself feel that, that part of me that was missing mm-hmm. with my dad. Um, and so losing that because I was dealing with something that no one understood and I didn't understand. But the only way that they knew how to deal with it was with Jesus in the Bible and beating you beating it into you that you're going to go to hell and it's wrong and that you can't be that way um so as i went so i graduated and i was like well i need to go into the ministry you know i want to help people um obviously the ministry is the place that i need to go so i ended up going to missouri baptist children's home no that's the children's home i went to i went to missouri Baptist University. Nope, that's wrong too. It was Southwest Baptist University. Okay. You can keep that in there. That's, yeah, that's good. whatever. Yeah. Um Southwest Baptist University. I was 
that's where I really started dealing with things. Cause it was the first time I was alone by myself. Um, prior to this, I'd always, I, I had never learned how to deal, um, how to be a, an adult and how to deal with things. So not only am I now dealing with my sexuality, now I'm dealing with the first time being alone in a school, like at a college, a Christian college. So again, I'm trying my hardest to be a Christian while now I'm having these hookups from websites secretly and dangerously, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, I mean, it's not, it's never safe to meet a random stranger in a park, Yeah, you know? Um, and I was doing that often, but at the same time, the way I dealt with it was depression, anxiety and cutting. Um, I was still doing it at that time. And so I, I failed out of school because of all this, like all the pressures of the sexuality, um, really got to me. And I remember a very important, very important moment, which there's been a lot of important moments in my coming out and dealing with my sexuality and understanding who I was. Um, the coming out was the easy part. Honestly, it was the dealing with repercussions of coming out years later. That was the hard part. And so I have a, I had a friend. We're still friends. Um, he, neither of us knew that we were both dealing with the same thing. He grew up in a very strict Christian home. I did too. And I remember one day, um, we, we shared a, we all lived down the same hall and I went to walk into his dorm room and I caught him in the middle of mm-hmm. doing something. And I just like looked on the computer and I was like, Oh, naked bears. <laughs> At the time I didn't know what bears were, right? but I saw a bunch of naked hairy men and I was like, curiosity peaked. Um, and he knew that I caught him. And so I actually emailed or no Facebook messenger. Cause this was back when God, I'm old. This was back when Facebook was only for college students. Okay. Um, and so I messaged him and I said, Hey, I saw I'm struggling with the same thing. Do you want to be accountability partners? So <laughs> there was actually this, like, it was like a filter thing where you sign up and you put that person's email in it. And anytime you looked at a porn site, it would send them a notice that oh, you're wow. looking at a porn site, high tech, kind of holding them accountable. But in real reality, we both like the same kind of men. So it was just like, ooh, that looks like good porn. A so instead, moment. we were just sending each other the porn we liked. Um, and I watched his progression. He progressed into acceptance a lot faster than I did um, when he finally came out. And that was, I wish I could have. I wish I could have come out at that time, like he did, because it would have saved some trouble. Um, but for me, I ended up failing out of school. Cause I started drinking a lot. Um, I like a lot, a lot. And I would always call my youth leader and I would call him crying drunk. I don't, wouldn't remember half of it saying, I wish I was dead. I can't do this anymore. Um, cause it was a lot. Like I wish that I could explain the torment in the inside of feeling, feeling like that everything that is you is wrong. And that everything that is you is disgusting or everything that is you is something that's going to go to hell because 
I could never explain to people. They're like, no, it's just your homosexuality. And I, I, I wish I could have just believed it was two separate things. Like sometimes I wish it was just because it would have been easier to deal with at the time. But reality is it's not two separate things. My homosexuality is me. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that. And so I ended up, that's the, that was, that led me up to the first time going to the uh, Christian ministry. It's called Pure Life Ministries up in Kentucky. And it is a sexual addiction ministry, but they also focus on um, praying the gay away, basically. And so I got shipped up there because no one else knew what to do with me. Um, they basically that's that's the way they saw to help me again was to ship me off somewhere else and so i go to this whole ministry and it's out in the middle of nowhere kentucky and you work at a factory for eight to ten hours a day there's no air conditioning in any of the rooms um you you start out with 16 men I mean, yeah, surrounded by men. <laughs> Let me tell you, some of them, mm, I remember them still. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Vividly. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I was like, there's so many daddies. I was like, hey, daddy. Hey, daddy. Oh, I mean, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Get it together, um, Kentucky. Right. <laughs> Jeez, this is the second one in a row. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Didn't mean to kill a moment there, but right. no, it I just mean, hit me. I So what, like... This time in this ministry was was very difficult um, because you would literally wake up at three in the morning, read your Bible, pray, drive an hour to the factory, work eight to ten hours to pay for being at the ministry, come home, do counseling or church or pray, prayer group or homework, and you just did that over and over How and over. How old were you when you were there? First time, I was probably 22. 22 and I turned 23. I had three birthdays there. So, were you, you didn't, you still didn't have a choice. I know that you're, you know, 22 is still pretty young. You know right. what I mean? You, and you didn't have this choice to like, like say no or, or what was the process I there, did. I guess. I did have a choice. But you still But I also to... didn't have a choice. Okay. Um, and I say that because my choice was to continue living in misery because what I felt or what I believed religiously, it was wrong. And I knew that if I didn't, I would lose everyone. So you still wanted to try that. I, yeah, I felt like I had to try because I was convinced that, you know, that this is wrong, that this is just how I'm going to have to live my life. It's just as this misery of, you know, pray and pray and pray. Don't do, don't do, don't do. Um, don't look at that guy. Don't look at that guy. Um, and I, the first time I went, yeah, I went a couple of times. <laughs> the first time I went, I went because everyone, people sent me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't convinced that it's not what I wanted. Um, and I knew if I, if I didn't go, the way that I was headed, I would have lost everything because I didn't know how to deal with things. I mean, I was drinking a lot. I never learned how to pay bills. I could never keep an apartment. Like, my life had been solely focused on not being gay. And it continued that way for years. Um, And so my choice to go was because I didn't know what else to do. And because if I didn't, I would lose everyone. And I knew that. Um, And so I went 
and there were so many times, so many nights at the altar, they have a, a church and an altar and they would tell you if you're struggling, you have to tell them every time you masturbated. Oh. I was like, I know you're tired of seeing me, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, it happened uh, again. I'm back again. <laughs> I don't have to say it, right. but what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just wave at you and you'll know now? Is that what? Just don't shake my hand right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were so many times that I would go into the church by myself, put on some music, and literally just bawl and beg and beg and beg God to take it away. Because at the time, I was convinced it was wrong and that this was just an addiction and it was a sin. And the only way to get rid of it was to beg God and hope that he did it. So many nights... And the inner turmoil, I wish I could express it the way that I felt it, but it's impossible. It is impossible to express the amount of fear and guilt and shame and just pain that I constantly felt with it. Um, and eventually I just cracked and I couldn't do it anymore. Like I finally just told myself, I can't do this. Like I, I, I'm miserable. I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Um, and so I left that didn't make anything better. <laughs> um, but it so was I, on your terms. Yes. So I left on my terms that time. Um, and I know this is a long story and I apologize. <laughs> um, really that's, it's coming out stories. Yeah. You, yeah, you got time, but that's true. Good point. <laughs> and so I get home and the only place I have to live at the age of, at this time I turned 23 there cause I spent a lot of years there. Um, I go and I live with my aunt and there, my uncle, they let me live there. Um, and I had started, actually this was just about the next Christmas. I hadn't drank in a long time. I went home before Christmas that time. And so I hadn't drank in a while and I was stupid and I went and bought me and my underage cousins drinks. <laughs> Sorry, police <laughs> statute of limitations. I'm pretty sure. Um, and I, at the time I didn't know you can't drink as much as you used to when you haven't drank for six months. And so I ended up blacking out. Um, and I just remember coming to, and there's blood everywhere. Well, I, actually I kind of, I remember walking into my cousin's room, turning on the light and calling my cousin's name and seeing blood fall onto the carpet. And the next thing I know I was waking up with my grandma holding my arm on one arm and the, my cousin screaming, why did he do it? Why did he do it? Because they thought I was trying to kill myself. I don't remember any of it. But again, I, I was a cutter. I was used to cutting. Mm-hmm. And so I had taken some um, kitchen or no, uh, hair cutting shears mm-hmm. and made big slices in my arm. Um, and so I was bleeding a lot. I had to, that was the second time I've been to the psych ward um, for suicidal ideations. That time, I mean, it was, I was blacked out, I didn't know what I was doing. But it was because I, I, I remember screaming, why am I this way? Why am I this way? Because I was dealing with just so much of this constant inner battle of feeling that this was wrong and that it was, it was terrible and I can't be this, you can't be this, you're going to go to hell because it's wrong. Um, I know I keep saying that a lot, but that's just what I constantly felt mm-hmm. and constantly heard in my head. After th- <clears throat> after that, 
I started a counseling. Um, well, <laughs> that's not true. After that, they tried to send me back up to that ministry. Oh. Actually, they did send me up. They put me on a bus and said, you're going back. Well, I got there and they said, you can't stay here. So then my mom had to drive all the way down and pick me up at a hotel um, to drive me. Then we drove to another ministry uh, facility in Indianapolis. But I said I didn't want to go, so I didn't go. And I stayed on my mom's couch for a couple of weeks. Um, And then eventually moved back into my aunt's and started doing this counseling, which was called Exodus International. Um, And what this was, I did this for four years. Um, And you go once a week for counseling and then group therapy. And the concept was is you do all these manly things, go fishing with men, you go to the gym and shower with men, which I yeah, like that part. That's a little kind that of intuitive, but hey. <laughs> you need to go in the sauna, and I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> um, so this whole concept of you do more manly things, you become less gay over time. Little did they know, mm-hmm. I was still having hookups on the side um, because I, I, I learned that that's how I dealt with things you know i don't do that anymore i don't shame people that do have fun go if you if your thing is cruising do it safe do it where you know you're obviously not going to get in trouble and expose people to things they shouldn't see Mm -hmm. some people that's their thing go for it um for me that was always a way of dealing with my pain and struggling and all the stuff it's just go put myself in dangerous situations at parks and um, online things and well, truck stops. And, and some would say like not even just dangerous situations with other people, but with yourself as well. Right. The drinking and your cutting and right. Like, it was all very dangerous. And I didn't think I was going to live to be past 21. And then I was 22. And then I think I was going to be past 26 because when I, about this time I was 26 is I started dealing. I was still dealing at 26. So we're talking about from, 14 and now I'm 26 I've been through a, a, a program I've been through counseling through the church through an, uh, another ministry and I'm still dealing with this and it's a constant battle in my head a constant struggle a constant um, feeling that something was wrong um, and I just got to the end of it you know and I had had I decided I was just going to go to the doctor because I had insurance at the time I was going to get sleeping pills um, and just kill myself because every night I went to bed anyway, hoping I didn't wake up every single night. Um, There was a part of me that obviously didn't want to do it, but I'd already, I'd also convinced myself I was going to do it. And this was at 25. And so I had skipped church one day. Well, the ministry that I was doing, um, the Exodus International, I anonymously emailed them and said, if something's going to happen, I'm killing myself in this many days. Something needs to happen or I'm going to die. Um, and they ended up, there was still a part of me that was reaching out and hoping. Right. And that's probably why I did that and put down my counselor's name. So then they called the cops and they came and got me and I went to the psych ward again. That was my third time. Um, 
because I was convinced I was going to do it. I was tired of the struggle. I was tired of the battle, the constant push pull of it all. It was miserable. Um, and so after that, I ended up moving up to Springfield, Missouri, because I had some friends up there. And during this time, I was living with friends, and I, you know, I just said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go and live. I'm going to be gay, I'm going to go do what I want. And I thought that would make me feel better. But then the fear came in. Um, The fear of going to hell, the fear of uh, dying. And it was like, it was horrible. Because this is when I also started, I would go to sleep at night, and I would get to sleep for an hour before I would wake up with a panic attack where I would go to the emergency room because I thought I was having a heart attack because I was convinced that I was going to die in my sleep and go to hell because of what I was doing. I was literally driving myself insane with this. Um, And then my grandma died. And I reconnected with some of the youth people, youth leaders, who, again, were like family to me. And so a lot of this was I didn't want to lose them because I was tired of losing people. I was always getting pushed aside or someone was always more important or something. And that's, you know, it's it's probably just the way I perceived it as a kid because, you know, as a kid, you're dealing with things, all these different struggles and battles and feelings, and it's all you know. And as a kid, that's a lot to deal with, dealing with your sexuality. Um, People don't understand that. People who have never had to deal with with having to come to terms that you're not like everyone else around you. You're going against everything you've been taught. Right. Um, and to try and go against everything that you feel is completely foreign to your head. No matter how much you try, everything that you feel that you are and everything that you feel is you, but you can't be that. It's just the probably the most confusing and damning feeling that I can ever place having. Um, and so, um, when my grandma died, it sent me into more of a tailspin. Cause again, it was still my sexuality. It was constant. It's not like I, I didn't go a day without thinking about it. I didn't go a day without thinking Something's wrong with me. I'm dirty. I'm disgusting. I, I Literally every second of the day, I dealt with this. And so when my grandma died, I was like, I need to go back to that ministry. And so I went back to the Pure Life Ministries up in Kentucky. Um, and I, this time it was my choice mm-hmm. because I was tired of the anxiety, the depression. I was tired of the anxiety attacks. And waking up every night thinking I was dying. And being so fucking afraid all the time. Um, So I actually ended up making it through this time. I was there for eight months. um, And then went to... um, It was more like a cult up in Wisconsin, Missouri. Where we literally... You lived at the church. You didn't go anywhere but prison ministry when you did do something. You weren't allowed to watch movies. You weren't allowed to listen to music with a beat in it. Um, you would wake up at five in the morning, pray for an hour, then read for an hour, and then go to staff prayer for an hour, 
and then you go to um, Bible classes all day long, and that's what your life is because their their belief is that if the only way to get close to God is to really get rid of the world in general, and so in my head, this is the only way I'm going to stay not gay. You'll be distracted by right. God, right? I did a full year of that. And then I thought, again, the only way I'm going to stay somewhat okay is if I go back and work at this ministry. So you did a full year of that schedule? Yeah. And that was after eight months of, again, working every day at a factory, counseling, praying, all of it. It's literally distraction. Like right. God's going to distract you from being gay. Right. <laughs> right. It's just the more you pray, the more you read. Um. And so then when I started to work there, because we always thought that the staff members were always happy and great. And you saw this whole um, amazingness that they're living in. And you're like, I want that. So when I started working, I worked there for two years. And it was the worst two years of my life. That's um, saying a lot. For because, me. again, you get up at five in the morning to, ra- to, to pray for an hour, then to read for an hour. And then you go to staff prayer for an hour and then you work at the ministry all day and then you come back and you go to count, you go to church or you go home where you're allowed to watch one movie a week. You can't listen to music with beats in it really. Um, because their concept is and their thought is you can't be a part of the world. We would have these staff prayers and the staff were never that happy. <laughs> I mean, like every once in a while they'd be happy. But usually it's, they'd be at the thing praying, God, I'm prideful. Uh, take this away from me. I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm this, I'm broken, blah, blah, blah. And all these different things. And it just, it's all I was. Again, still being told that there's something wrong with me. That I, I'm, I'm essentially messed up. And the only way that I'm going to be good is because of God. And so constantly, not only now am I battling my sexuality in my head, now I have to battle, I have to be nice to everyone. I have to um, not think bad thoughts or I'm sinning. So then I have to ask forgiveness. I have to do all these different things to please God to get into heaven or to be closer to him. Um, I would stay up late at night begging because I'm a very, I'm a social person. Um, and so they purposely put me in housing f- away from campus with a bunch of um, introverts because they felt that I would spend too much time with people and I wouldn't spend time with God. And that was miserable for me because I don't do well with being alone 24-7. I'm definitely better now than I was. But it was miserable. And so I did that for two years, just begging and hoping that something would change nothing ever did and I got tired of the fight um and so I decided I need to leave and that was it's okay. that was three years ago probably more like four now going on three and a half four years ago so that's like the turning point for you right I remember sitting in my room that night being like I this is it this is me if God's real, I've done what I can. 
he's just gonna have to accept that because I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm, I don't have a car. I make $600 a month. I don't know how to live a normal life. Like I have nothing. So when I left, when I woke up the next morning, I went to him and said, I'm leaving. I said, I can't do this. I packed up one suitcase, left the rest, threw away the rest of my stuff, got on a bus and came home. Like it, I had nothing. And at that time, I had had a relationship with the youth leader and his wife again, my aunt, the church. As soon as I left, I got disowned. Um, I had no one. Um, I was actually homeless for a couple of weeks, lived on a couch for a couple of weeks um, because people said they couldn't associate with me anymore. Uh, people that I considered to be like a mother and father, sisters, all of a sudden now because of my sexuality and because I couldn't, I didn't want to live miserable for the rest of my life. That's what essentially what they were asking me to do is to constantly live in this battle and this struggle to deny who I am and what I am to my core. Um, and so I lost everyone. And that was, I would love to say that it was really that hard because at that point that night when I was sitting in my room at that ministry, I had to weigh out my options. It was continue living this way and keep everyone in my life or stop being miserable and losing everyone. And that was not an easy decision because I, I don't do, I miss them. Um, I still have a really hard time making friends and letting people in um, because in my mind um, eventually they're going to leave or they're not going to want me around anymore and unfortunately for the church and those people they decided that I wasn't good enough to have around anymore um I was, it was scary. Um, all of a sudden, I was on my own. I didn't know how to live. My whole life had been up till I was, well, I'm 32 now. So I was like 28-ish. Terrible at math. Um, up till then, my whole life literally had been about not being gay. I didn't know how to work. I could never keep a job because of my depression, anxiety, and stress of it all. Um, I couldn't keep friends. The friends that I did have, again, I lost because now I'm this person that they can't associate with. Um, and I still deal with that a lot. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, and so I was sleeping on a couch for a bit and when I was in college I made some friends we all split up you know as you do in college not everyone stays connected 24 7 well, her parents had always been real big supporters of me um, and they actually invited me in to live into their home um, and if it wasn't for them I probably wouldn't be alive 
to be honest. Um, the depression and anxiety probably would have eventually led me to suicide, or I probably would have started using drugs. Who knows? No one's above stuff like that. Um, and so I moved in with them up in Springfield, Missouri, and I lived with them for two years. Um, they helped me get through hair school. Um, they helped me get a car. They helped me become stable because I was not stable. I was a 28 year old who had the life experience of an 18 year old because my whole life has been spent in ministries and programs and counseling, trying my hardest to keep people in my life because that's what a lot of it was. I knew that if I didn't do this, I would lose everyone that I cared about. And to make that decision, when I had already felt most of the time that I was pushed aside or that my dad didn't want me. And that if I, <laughs> that's not a big thing. Um, I don't want to talk about that, but uh, when I had left and I started living with them, though I was lonely, because it's real hard for me to make friends. When you move around a lot and you go to programs and you leave programs, I didn't... Making friends is difficult for me. Uh, I'd, I'd guess that even just the experiences you have had with people that you were close to makes it hard to really trust somebody moving forward and it does. relying on them. It does. And I sometimes I let my anxiety and my emotions, even when I do make friends because of everything I've dealt with, it pushes them away because I'm Sagittarius and I believe in the signs. And once I'm a friend for someone, like I'm ride or die, mm-hmm. you know, I will do what I can to help that person. Um, so I've had to learn that that's not always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I finally accepted and chose to live in that and to not let these things ruin me, my life finally started. It take it took a couple years for all this to work out in my head because there were times where I would have panic attacks still because I still had that mentality of like I can't even think about God right now. If I think anything about Christianity, anything about God, I'm afraid of going back into that mentality. I was terrified of going back to that because I was like, I don't think that I would survive it if I went back to that fear of all of that. Um, but this family really helped me learn who I was and accept who I am and that it's okay. You know, I don't have to feel this shame. There's no shame in it. These last three years of my life have been the best years of my life ever. What are, so you, we, we've gone over a little bit about coping methods that you've used to fight. What are, I don't know if they're coping methods, but what are some things that help you celebrate who you are now? Like, what are you a part of? What do you do? Or do you, you know, who do you, who do you associate with? I guess, like, what are some things that, that really bring out the best Steven in, in, in who you really are without fighting? There's a couple things. Um, one is I'm no longer quiet about my sexuality. Because for so long, I 
was for so long I was stuck in all of that and um now I'm like if you don't like it <laughs> you can f off I don't care anymore yeah. um coming into that has been one thing and like I said like I told you before we started recording the other day is June is a very important month for me it's a very reflective month for me because I can live in that now like I can can live in this being proud of who I am and it took a long time to get there and so June in pride month you I'm get to celebrate you what you get to celebrate yourself like celebrate right exactly you. like I get to be who I am I this is who I am like I am a big old gay guy who likes other big old gay guys <laughs> <laughs> and lots of them <laughs> um and then I'm a part of, I mean, you, as you know, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I'm a novice in an aspirant house. Um, what they are is they are a queer nun missionary group, we call ourselves. Um, we believe we take vows to minister to the community. Uh, it started back in the early 80s, late 70s, when the AIDS crisis was happening and there was really no one, no one cared. Um, and so these amazing people started this organization to raise AIDS awareness. Um, and they went out dressed in nun habits um, just to make a statement. Um, and it's evolved into sacred clowns, some call, some call them drag nun. Um, for me, this has tremendously been a life changer for me in the last year of my life. Um, I've grown a lot in it because I'm able to, I, I get into my sister character Mm -hmm. who her name is sister Betty, Betty between a pair of daddies (laughs) for any daddies out there. Just so you know, Um, as I'm putting on this makeup, the signature white face for most for nuns. It's how people know us. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the fact that there's typically big bearded men in these nun habits, dresses and big old veils. As I put on this makeup, it it kind of transforms me into someone that's not me. I can be who I feel really feel I am which is I can then go and talk to people and I can interact with people where when I'm just myself I have a really hard time I'm awkward most of the time um I don't either I don't hear what they're saying so I just giggle and it's the wrong time (laughs) (laughs) or I say something that trying my hardest to be funny because I want to fit in Mm -hmm. um but as a sister, I get to put on these clothes and put on this makeup and become someone that can help someone else. If I can go out there and I can help another kid or another person dealing with what I've dealt with in this, even outside of it, I want to help people. But this is a way for me to devote part of my life to helping someone else deal with what I've dealt with so they do not have to go through the misery that I went through. I, th- I think personally... It's super interesting that um, your story is centered around the church. And the part that's making you happiest is you're a sister. You're a nun. You know, you're right. You get to to 
be true to who you are right in a way that uh you know still ties in with who you were right it's it's i think it's a pretty big signifying like thing that from in my opinion is just i think it's it's not cool what happened to you but i think right. that it's it's something that some stories are just meant to be tied together right and your circle started at one point and now it's coming back around you know right to your your happiness right i i can't explain how much different my life is like it's just one of those things where i accepted who i am i'm happy with who i am and now i get to go and share that joy and happiness with other people in an organization that has dedicated itself to the lgbt community you know we want to help other people and it it helps me to be honest <laughs> yeah i mean and that's like, that's better than i think you know we we want to do things that make us happy right and especially when you've been grown up like told that what you want what you who you are and what you're going to do is so terrible right I will fight for someone, anyone to believe who they are anymore. Like, like learning that there are people that are poly, right? And learning what that is, and that's another thing. I have never really expressed that I'm probably more poly than anything. Yeah. Like I believe that I could love more than one person because I've been in relationships, and all of a sudden I start caring about someone else while still caring about that person. And I'm like, what the? Wait a minute. It's so confusing. It's so- <laughs> Um, I know this feeling. I'm confused as fuck. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. I'm like, what the hell? Um, and so that's another thing to feel good about is I don't have to be ashamed of that. Right. Because everyone's different. Even in the gay community, everyone is different. What What advice would you give to somebody who's going through similar or the same? Or, you know, if you were you now, what would you give to you then what would you tell them I actually because I listened to last week's episode Mm -hmm. I kind of figured this question was coming (laughs) and so I had been thinking about it it's one of my favorite questions right along with the intro part uh, that stressed me out the most is how I was going to say hello I took care of Um, (laughs) (laughs) and so uh, part of me Things if I was talking to me and encouraging me, it would probably be, I know you're not going to believe this now because you can't at this moment. But in the future, you're going to deal with really hard things. You are going to have to lose people you're going to have to feel pain to accept who you are. I wish that I could tell you that this will be easy to go against everything that you've been taught and believed. But who you are is not a mistake. And who you are is not bad who you are is not going to send you to eternal damnation. I know that right now it feels that way and I know that right now you feel trapped 
and like you're dying inside. But when you come out, when you get to that point, you will find freedom, you will find happiness that you never thought you could have. It's a journey. Don't expect it to happen right away. Because not everybody's ready right away. So probably something along those lines. I wouldn't I wouldn't sugarcoat it. I wouldn't say, you know, it'll be okay. Family will come around because that's not always true. Have people lose people have constantly. Any of your family come around? My aunt has. We still have a strange relationship because it's never going to be what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, this is a really funny story. She, God, I love her. Um, she's a real strong Christian, and I I know her very well. Obviously, she helped raise me. So one day she called me and she's like, "So I was, I was, I was uh, doing my quiet time." For those of you that don't know it, Christians very much. Quiet time is where they spend time with God, reading and praying. Um, and she's like, I was going over the hymn, Just As You Are. And then later that day, I went to a bookstore and I was looking through books. And I found this one book about a woman who was born a hermaphrodite. And she was like, did you know people could be born with both genders? And I was like, yes. <laughs> she's like, well, I didn't know that. She's like, and if that happens, then maybe you can be born gay. Um, and I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Are we getting where I think we're getting? (laughs) And then she was like, I mean, gay's okay with God, but only if you're with God. And I was like, Oh, you're so close. (laughs) Missed it by that much. (laughs) But no, I mean, it's good that she can come to accept and we are building that relationship. It's just going to take a while because there's a lot of hurt on both sides there. Um, my mom has always been supportive. Yeah, she's always been supportive. Um, but my path took me uh, in a weird way. And so our relationship hasn't always been as strong as it should have. Unfortunately for both of us. Um, so they're coming around. Now, the church family and friends... Not so much. Yeah. So. Well, I think that something to sum up your, if I was like reading this as a book, you know what I mean? And I was told, what do you, what do you get from it? Um, like you said, you lose people, but I think you've found people. And yeah. Yeah. the most important person I think you found is yourself. Yeah. And I can I can remember when we first met, and it it wasn't actually on Scruff. Um, <laughs> we met in public, you know. We met at JJ's, and I was just out, you know, because I was dating Jason at the time, and uh, that's how I met people was through him. Um, and seeing you now versus when I first met you, you've come. I can see it. I can see it in you. It's it's weird to say something like that, but like I can see the difference. And I can feel the difference, and I'm happy for you. Um, that. And when I see you in your makeup, I just I love I I love it a lot because, um, you know that's not something I do, but I appreciate you know I appreciate that. And and learning more about the sisters in this pot, you know, in this episode is something cool because I didn't really 
I've interacted, of course. Right. But I didn't know, you know, and you're doing good. Like you're doing good things for the people in our lives. That's, that's our goal. And I'm more like, I've just decided that if my life's going to be anything, it's going to be helping other people because it's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. I don't want other people to, to live in what I lived in. So if I can, I will. I may not always be the greatest at it, but God damn it. <laughs> you're going to take it. Well, I appreciate you reaching out to me um, to share your story and sharing your story. Um, thank you. I can't, I really can't thank you enough for coming on the show because I think that this is going to be helpful to a lot of people. I think, you know, you know, the church I've, I've not been as in, in depth, you know, with it, but I've seen and, and I know, um, but again, thank you so much. If there's anything you want to end on, you know, one last note at all, or just thank you. I mean, this is, this is why I joined the sisters in the first place is to be able to help people. And so to get this opportunity, you know, makes it all worth it. And again, good, good luck with your journey. If you're one struggling, find people that will encourage you through it because it's not going to be an easy one. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that it is because it'll probably be a difficult one. Sometimes it's easier than others, but right. Um, you know, it could be hard. And I, th- something that I want to like, think the last thing I want to say is <clears throat> you, t- you talked about this before we started recording and you said, this is the first time I'm, mm-hmm. I'm telling, how did you say it? Like, I'm this is the first time I'm telling it from this side, from this side, usually it's, me in a Christian setting talking about quote unquote freedom from homosexuality. Now I'm talking about quote unquote freedom from bondage to myself. Mm-hmm. Wait, bondage to religion, maybe? Yeah, probably religion. I just didn't want to like badmouth it too much. No, no, no. I, but, but I, um, I think, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like now I'm not underneath that weight of guilt and shame and condemnation. Yeah. So it's just, it is really interesting. And it's, again, a special that it's Pride Month and I get to do this. So thank you very much. Yeah, I no really, problem. really I appreciate mean, it. I appreciate it too. So with that, um, thanks again to Steven and thank you for listening. Um, this has been our second ever episode of Coming Out Stories. Um, so tune in next Monday and be ready for another great story. We'll end on that. (laughs) Everybody have a great uh, pride and a great night. Happy pride. Love you all. You're special. Good night. If you or anyone you know are struggling with substance abuse or self-harm, please know that there are many resources available to you, including SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. And you can find them at findtreatment.samhsa.gov. That's findtreatment.sam.gov hsa.gov. Thank you again to Stephen for sharing his story. If you're interested in being on this podcast, you can reach me at contact at onlyontsd.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash onlyontsd. Please don't forget to like and rate our podcast and also subscribe so you get notified of future episodes. Coming Out Stories is produced and edited by Tony Faith and Matt Goad. Music by Jake Tackett and hosted by me, Joey Franks. Thank you listeners for joining me for this coming out story. See you next time.